This is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast upon which we rewatch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. And today we're actually doing that. We're going to watch a very special episode like, you know, in normal non-pandemic times, yeah. as opposed to most of season four, which has been just whatever we feel like watching on it the day we truly record. Has. No, don't get me wrong. We also just kind of felt like watching The Facts of Life yeah. today. Uh, this episode is called The First Time. It originally aired February 6, 1988, and was written by Ross Brown, mm-hmm. which leads us right into a two-part segment today, Chelsea. <gasps> what? It's YWW times two. YWW, you wrote what? Let's start there. Um, <laughs> Ross Brown was writer and creator of Mego. M-E-E-G-O, a one-season sitcom from 1997 that starred Bronson Pinchot, Ed mm. Bagley Jr., Michelle Trachtenberg, what? and Jonathan Lipnicki. What? Fresh off, of, fresh off of some Jerry Maguire fame, too. All right. Well, you're, you're, I know you and the listeners at home are thinking, What a cavalcade of stars! Why haven't I heard of Mego? Right? Where, where can I find Mego today? Hold on. <laughs> the plot summary is such. Migo is made temporary babysitter for the Parker kids after his spaceship crashes in their backyard, and he waits for repairs to be completed, but quickly finds himself growing attached to them and questioning his return home. Sure, sure, sure. So it's Charles in Charge meets Mork and Mindy. It's Alf in Charge. Alf, Alf in Charge <laughs> of our days. There's no problem. Alf, Alf in Charge lasted two episodes, and then everyone was dead because Alf didn't give a shit about anybody. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Alf. Uh, hey, I'm gonna light a fire here and everywhere. <laughs> um, so the other du- YWW of you wrote what is uh, you watched Y Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> When I picked this episode, I told you that there was a very specific reason that I picked this episode. So I'm calling you out, Chelsea. Did you figure out the exact reason why I decided this episode should be for us? I'm pretty sure I know. Because there is a snake character named Snake. Legitimately named Snake! And (laughs) a couple factoids about the snake character. I know we're not into the episode, but here's some things to watch out for. He looks like if Scott Baio and Ben Affleck had a child and then kicked it. Uh, He (laughs) looks... Well... That guy's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was when that was out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He was. And even then, he looked a bit old. In this episode, he could be either 35 or 45. (laughs) It's hard to tell which, but he's definitely too old for this. Uh, So that was both YWW, you wrote what, and you watched Y. I'm glad I got it right. I knew as soon as as I read the episode description on IMDb, I was like, oh yeah. That's all it took for me, too. It's like, Snake, we're, we're good. Let's uh, let's talk about. Oh, Chelsea, I got yeah. a goddamn snack. <gasps> Not just a snack, but a snack revelation. <laughs> Tell me, what so, have you got? It was very recently uh, my birthday. And Yay! Happy boy, belated birthday to Andy. Thanks. It's gonna keep being belated until I can actually have a person over to my house to celebrate. Until then, <laughs> it's you know birthday observed, and then <laughs> it'll be birthday celebrated at some other point. It'll be birthday. Canada celebration mm-hmm. uh, as soon as the quarantine's up. 
Um, and uh, friends of the podcast, Garrett, Lane, Courtney, and Amelia uh, snuck up into my apartment complex. This is sounding uh, weird the way I'm putting it, but I love there's it. no other way. They, they broke in. <laughs> they broke into my apartment <laughs> complex and uh, left some snacks by my door. Uh, which was adorable, and I didn't hear Aww, them. Aw, so thanks, friends of the pod. Yeah, you guys are real creeps, but in a good way. <laughs> uh, and so what they left me was caramel coconut Oreos. Oh, my God, that sounds good. It does sound good, and we're going to find out whether or not it is good. Is this going to be one of those decoy Oreo flavors, though, that sounds really good and then tastes like ass? Here, here's the thing. At this point... If you legitimately served me an ass with sugar on it, I think I'd still be like, this is amazing. <laughs> you guys should try this sugar thing. I haven't had sugar in uh, almost seven months. So wow. this will be the first time. So get ready for about halfway through this podcast for everything to get super energetic. Oh, man. And this then is I'm like... going to fall asleep like right near the end. All right, here we go. Exco, give it to you. Fuck, wait for you to get it on your own. Exco, deliver to you. Knock, knock, open up the door and spill. With the nonstop pop up and stainless steel. Go hard, getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make a motherfucker wonder if you can. Damn right, can I do it again? Because I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I break who you sending me. Motherfuckers never want to know what your life say. Bitch, that's what I like. This has uh, so much sugar in it. Uh, why can't I blink anymore? Um, <laughs> these are these are fine. Uh, they're they taste very familiar. They taste like hmm. a very specific cereal that I had one time. Okay, it's it's very it's, it's like it's, caramel and coconut, right? Are you sure it doesn't taste like a Samoa Girl Scout cookie? No. No, I think those have something close to real caramel and real coconut in them. <laughs> These are the ideas of caramel and coconut. Mm -hmm. These are caramel and coconut uh, flavored right. uh, things. They're Tricks. not making any bones about it. I'm 100% yeah. Yeah, not getting uh, real uh, either of those. But yeah, there's a lot of sugar. Um, I'm very excited about being awake for three days now. <laughs> um, and it's delightful to have an Oreo again after so long. It was good. Yeah, I'm That's sure good. Oreo has missed you as much as you've missed Oreo. Like they, they're getting, like somebody in an Oreo office is getting like in their little stock ticker is like, oh, our stock just went up and he's back on. <laughs> they're like, weirdly for seven months, someone had stopped writing those petitions about getting Rocky Road Trip Oreos back on the shelves. <laughs> now they're flooding back in. No, I assume that, that before this moment, like they were just about to lock up the Oreo factory and call it a career. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, like the machine started going again, Willy Wonka style. Willy like, Wonka style. Ah, no one ever goes in. Oreo. No one ever goes out. Never. No one ever go Oreos out. <laughs> so, uh, wow, this has already started. I can feel the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing to watch in real time. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. <laughs> I feel like the opening of The Incredible Hulk, where it's like, ah. <laughs> um, so let's try to talk about a goddamn episode of television. Yeah, and you know, if you get too far off course, just eat another Oreo. It's like a hair of the dog <laughs> type of The thing. heroine of the dog. <laughs> sure. Um, 
Chelsea, how many episodes of Facts of Life have we done so far? Is it just the runaway episode? Uh, no, we did the runaway one and we did Two Defines a Bong. So I think this will be our third. Two Defines a Bong. <laughs> so I think this will be our third episode. Um, uh, but just, two Defines a Bong. <laughs> just a quick. What? What's that under this rock? <laughs> just a quick recap of the Facts of Life. The oh. show ran. From 1979 to 1988, nine seasons, 203 oh, episodes. Yeah, we're this episode is season nine, episode 16. So we're at the the very end of the the tail end of the run of the whole show. That's fine. Um, this was originally a spinoff of Different Strokes, and it is set it is set originally at a fictional all girls boarding school called Eastland School, located in Peekskill, New York. And the show follows an almost entirely female cast. The first few seasons revolve around Mrs. Garrett and um, the girls that are her charges at the boarding school. They're all in school. Mm-hmm. She's like their house mother. But then as the show moves into later seasons, they have to deal with the girls graduating and they needed to refresh the format. So basically Mrs. Garrett opens a shop, then it burns down, then a new shop opens and Mrs. Garrett moves to Africa and convinces yeah. her sister, Beverly Ann, played by Cloris Leachman, to take over the new shop and this is where we are now. So the girls are all still living together, but now they're like roommates. Yeah, and, and they, they still have too... a house mother, but it's she's not really their house mother because they're all in their twenties. No. Yeah, and here's what you need to know: much like uh, uh, Danny Glover in um, Lethal Weapon, everybody's too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> the The store that they've opened up, you see it. You don't see it in this episode, but you see it in the shop. And I think last season was where George Clooney was a handyman. He lives next door, who, yeah. Who, yeah. And this episode, you only see it in the credits, and it's pretty much just a Claire's boutique. <laughs> they are they are running a, a a much jazzier open open floor plan Claire's boutique. A lot of deep um, pastels. You know, I had to remind myself. There's they show the bedroom. It was at one point the girls are still all sharing bedrooms, and they yeah. show Natalie and, and Tootie's bedroom, and it's all like very deep pastels, like deep pink and deep purple pastels. And I was like. Oh God! They're still—it's so infantile, so juvenile. And then I was like, "Oh no, that's the '80s." That is like the 80s. grown people decorated their homes in these colors in the, in the, in these pastels in the '80s. Uh, another thing that surprised me was, except for Cloris Leachman, every single character has some form of mullet. Yeah. They all have businessy in the front and like long in the back. Girls, boys, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Actually, Snake doesn't also doesn't have a mullet, but he's too old for that. He's he's right. in his fifties. He's, he's seen look trends respectable. come and go. Yeah, you think he's going to go pick up his social security check with a mullet? No, he's gotta, he's got to trim that up. Uh, also, Natalie's got like name. a power, like an anchor woman bob. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, but it all it just all sort of flies apart in the back. <laughs> and it's just kind of like I don't know what happened back there. That's none of my business. <laughs> my business is in the front. None of my business in the back. <laughs> that's, that's a real seedy mullet right there. <laughs> None of your business in the back. Um, also, there's a kid named Mackenzie Aston in this. And that's all I have to say about that for the rest of the episode. I just wrote down Mackenzie Aston. Okay. He's like, he's like a Cousin Oliver character. Yeah, they, there's two in, kids that Are they Clarice Leachman's? He is Cloris Leachman's child. The uh, the random Australian kid, Peppa, Pippa, Pippa is not her child. 
I have no idea she how just, Pippa she is She wheels in in the third act and I'm like, excuse me, who are you? <laughs> exactly. We're trying to have an episode here. Please, Australian lady, would Random you mind? 15-year-old Australian child has showed up out of nowhere. Like, I want to talk about sex. Here's the thing. I can't do an Australian <laughs> accent. No, that was very Dickensian. Um, yeah, it really was Cockney. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's let's get into this. Uh, it's same same theme song, same uh, old-timey credits. And Alan Thicke. That's an Alan Thicke joint. Straight up, straight up <laughs> Alan Thick joint. Um, yes, so Act One takes place in the living room of this house that too many uh, older women live at. Right. Tootie notes that it's been quiet, and it's been quiet because Blair has the the episode off. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the trivia that I read about this was that uh, the actress who plays Blair, the actor who plays Blair whose name is I'm 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 Lisa Winchell. Uh Lisa Winchell was so offended by the topic of this episode that she refused to be in it. Yeah, it's not even just the topic, it's that she was um a very she's a very observant practicing Christian. Mm-hmm. They wanted her character to be the one to lose her virginity. Oh, is that it? Okay. And she was like, not only do I not want my character to have sex before marriage, I don't want to be in this episode where any character has sex before yeah. marriage at all. So this is the only episode she doesn't appear in. She's been since season one. She's one of the original girls, and this is the only episode that she does not appear in of the entire 200 and whatever episodes. Um, and they wanted her to... They wanted her character, Blair, who's the, sort of the snooty uh, Manhattanite, they wanted her to lose her virginity in season two. What? And then she refused. And it has taken us until Jeez. season nine for any of these girls <laughs> to lose their virginity. They're all, they say Natalie's 21. So they're all, yeah. Tootie's the youngest, so she must be 20. And then yeah. Joe and Blair Natalie are was older. Always like, yeah, they've got to be in their almost mid-20s at yeah. this point. And it's, well, it's brought up that Tootie is saving herself t- for marriage. Joe does not have any sort of opinion on whether or not anyone should be doing this. It's really weird and sort of old-fashioned. Like, even the episode sort of calls it out in the fact that it's like, hey, guys, shouldn't we be more progressive about this? And then they're like, no. Yeah, it's like they want to have it both ways. They want to be both empowered and be like, look, women consenting adults in their 20s that know their own minds should be able to do what they want to do with their bodies but also we know that it's 88 a lot of our viewers have very conservative ideas about this so yeah. also we're going to make sure we get some slut shaming and moralizing in here too and then sure. it's a choose your own adventure like but what do you think the episode is saying audience what do you, what do you think the message is here? it's whatever We've you're not you... offended by yeah That's exactly what we we're trying to say Whatever you're about to write a letter about, it's not that. Right. Yes. Okay, so, so so they're trying to have plausible deniability. It ends up sure. getting muddy. And for the first four-fifths of this episode, I was like, what is this? Like, nothing is... This is so it's, muddy. And then at the very end, a lot dropped into place for me. And I was like, oh, okay. I think I understand what journey we've been on this whole time. Yeah, so, it kind of feels like they're trying to pick apart every aspect of the first time uh, a quote-unquote young woman has sex. Right. And um, part of what, well, woman. youngish, yeah. A part of um, what Lisa Welchel said um, later, after after the show was off the air, 
she said um, when they approached her about doing it in season two, when she would have been still, you know, a high schooler, her character would have been. She said, I know young girls are watching this show, and that's not the kind of decision that can really be covered in 17 minutes and a couple of commercials. That's, wow. Um, That's the truth. The truth. That's what we've been saying for, I don't know, 80-some episodes now. (laughs) Right. So it it does take a lot of the... um, the sort of uh, ambigu- moral ambiguity off the table to make her a consenting adult in her 20s in a long-term sure. committed relationship. Yeah, so, it's been a solid year, I think, is what yeah, they say. But it's still sort of like, it, it's very nebulous and they try to present all sides of it, which in a way is admirable. In another way, it's like, you have to come down somewhere. Okay, so let's get For into sure. it. Well, let's talk about uh, fashion. We have a fashion show <laughs> to start our episode here. Natalie comes down, and here's what I've I've decided to describe her outfit as: is Natalie is dressed up like a Wilson Phillips performance in Reno. Yeah, there you go. You're not you're not going all out, but you do need to like make it a little flashy. Yes, but not Vegas flashy. But shoulder pads. <laughs> Reno, big shoulder pads. <laughs> She's got a a blazer on, but it's billowy. It's like a very large um, blazer, not fitted at all, and it's glittery over a white billowy silk shirt. And I was looking at it and being like, what is this fashion choice? Like she's supposed to be very fancy and I understand it's the 80s and shoulder pads are the thing. And it wasn't until I was reading trivia on Mental Floss, my favorite uh, website of all time, that uh, what I read was Lisa Welchel Mm -hmm. and started gaining weight in later seasons Mm -hmm. and Mindy Cohen, who plays Natalie, started losing weight. And yeah. they were like, we can't have this because Blair is supposed to be the hot one and Min and um um Natalie. Natalie is so so much of her character is written around her being fat. Yeah. So they on every time they went on hiatus, the producers would ship Lisa Welchel off to a fat farm, her words. <laughs> Um, awesome. To try to get her to lose weight, and they started dressing Mindy Cohen in big baggy clothes to disguise the fact that she was losing weight, cool. which is what you know you grow up, you hit puberty, you hit your twenties, yeah. like your body's constantly changing. And they were like, "No, no, we've written all these jokes around her being the fat one. She can't just naturally lose weight because she's growing we up." Can't write new jokes, people. That's just not us. That's so that not was our way. why it's not only that it's very eighties and it's very sort of it looks very like weirdly modest or something like something, but it's yeah. also this way too big for her because they're deliberately trying to hide the fact that she's losing weight it's not great none of this is great none of the things that we've been talking about about this outfit are great <laughs> right. including the outfit itself um yeah and and uh, so natalie comes down god that's really depressing yeah <sighs> okay so natalie comes down and <laughs> she's dressed up because it is snake and she's anniversary yep. of the first time they fell in love yes and she says she remembers where they were when they, they were, realized they were in love. They were sitting at a table, a particular table, a particular restaurant that was one year ago today. And mm. Snake hasn't said anything to her, but she's just positive that he's planning something nice for tonight, even though he hasn't said anything. Right. Um, Doorbell to, rings. Well, to be right. fair, just quickly in context, we have seen yeah. Snake in two episodes before this. Oh, Date, I did not do my snake research. Yeah, dating all. back about four months in real world time. Yeah. Um. So he started showing up last season. And so this will be his third appearance on the show. Uh, That's the best way to put that, by the way. He just starts showing up. <laughs> yeah. Snake just started showing up. Does he make his first appearance? Eh, he just shows up. Um, so Cloris Leachman starts talking about when she fell in love with her ex-husband and no one cares. Like no, even the no writers can't figure out how to finish it. So they just have the doorbell ring. They might as well just have her look at the camera and shrug. Yep. Uh, yeah. So Snake comes by and, uh-oh, he's wearing a gigantic 
covering all jumpsuits. Uh, and the like a joke mechanic. is like a mechanic, but it's it's oddly like pristine and completely right. covers his body. So you're like, well, there's a gag here. Yep. Uh, but for a second there, they're like, oh, this snake person doesn't seem to be in touch with uh, his feelings <laughs> at all. <laughs> right. Weird. Can you a imagine? person that goes by a pseudonym like Snake, you think would be an emotional open book, but apparently not. Um, but he says, oh, why are you so dressed up? And she's like a little bit miffed. And she's like, well, it's kind of a special day, but I guess I'll go upstairs and change. But whoa, Snake takes off his jumpsuit and underneath he has a non-jumping suit on. <laughs> a real nice regular type suit on. Yeah. Underneath the coveralls. Not for and jumping. <laughs> you need to, not, you do not jump in that suit. Not I. But he says, you know, it's our, I know it's our anniversary. I'm going to take you to the same restaurant where I sit at the same table where I fell in love and all the other women go on. I remember in this moment that Natalie is the rose of this group to make the Golden Girls comparison. She's like naive and like, sure. we want, we love her. We want good things for her. You know, she's like got that sort of innocence, especially in the earlier seasons. Um, and then they exchange a very dry kiss on the cheek. And Man, I hope you're in the mood for more of those dry kisses because boy, oh boy. You're gonna be the chemistry the level is off the charts going the Are other those- way. Are those Going crickets down. in the night? Are those crickets in the, the hot evening night? Or two sandpapery lips rubbing against two other sandpapery lips? Love is in the air. All right. So then they go out on a date. And then they're like, eh, let's go to after the date. And Snake and Natalie come back to a darkened living room. Yeah, but it's almost dawn, right? So it's almost five o'clock it's in five the morning. O'clock. No, 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 no. This is where I got confused, too. This is... No, wait, is it? Yeah, he says it's I almost got, dawn. I got confused about, like, did they... Because, oh, here's why. It was before because they this got scene, back. Right. This scene doesn't tell us anything other than, like, oh, I don't want to say goodbye. There should be something to this scene to let us know, uh-oh, something has happened. There is a little thing. In, There's a little thing the at pants. the very end. In the pants? <laughs> Something's happened in the pants. In the, okay. So we're back at the no, house. No, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to say it again. Something happened in the pants. <laughs> Did you say, I thought you said the past, and then I realized you said something happened in the pants. Yeah. yeah I'm Chelsea, right. I'm being as tasteful as this episode is. <laughs> both ways. Uh, both you ways. You can have it both ways. So sure. they're back at the house after the date, except that it's much later than a dinner date should go. It's five in the morning. He says it's right. almost on. And you're like, oh, okay, so something has happened in between dinner and now. Um, and he says, oh, I don't want to say goodnight. And she's like, I don't want to say goodnight. And it's almost like they're two adults who could spend the whole night together if they wanted to. Yeah. But they apparently they're much not. already have. Romeo and Juliet, the saint. Right. Because so, it's 10 years later and everything's fine. There's more dispassionate kissing. And then he says, I'll call you tomorrow. And she says, and he turns around to go. And she says, snake. And he says, yeah, I know. And that, I think, is supposed to be the thing that clues us in that like something has transpired in the pants. Sure. Between dinner and now. <laughs> past pants. Um, that's where sex takes place, in your past pants. We can cut all this out, though, right? We could start the whole episode over right now, though. So, all right. I have a snack. Um, yeah, and then Natalie goes upstairs. I I got confused. I thought they were having trouble saying goodbye, and then they're like, wait a second, and then they went off and, and bicked, and then they came back. But you're right. They, they've already they've already done it all. Yeah, he leaves. It's not like they there's a they start making out and then fade out of the scene. Like, You know what leaves. they could have they could have done is natalie comes back carrying her dress and she's wearing like the jumpsuit all askew yes like, you know it was all in a hurry and she's hilarious like, hey. sight gag it would be great and you know that that's 
that then I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Happened in a jumpsuit. So it's important to know that now we're back. Now we're in a special world. So all of that was ordinary world. Now we're we're in a special world, even though the call to adventure is kind of muddy. Um, And I will posit that it we don't really know what it is yet. Maybe the having of the sex that we didn't see was the call to adventure. But now we're in a special world where Natalie has had sex and no one else in the house has uh, except (laughs) Floris Leachman. And Natalie shares a room with Tootie and she comes into the room and she looks at herself in the mirror and she's smiling and she's excited and she seems calm and she seems happy and like she wants to share this news with Tootie so she wakes her up, even though it's 5 a.m., and she tells Tootie, oh, I lost my virginity to Snake, and Tootie acts like, this is great. And she hugs her, and she seems excited, and she asks questions like, how do you feel? Are you okay? How did it happen? Like, good questions to ask a consenting sure. adult. And they both seem, like, excited and accepting, and, you know, this is a great, fun thing that they can talk about. Um, that's what it seems like at 5 a.m., right immediately after the sure. something happens in the pants. But then... <laughs> Cut to the next morning. You know, I, I get your point. It's not the best thing to say. I no, I love it. Now. I love it now. <laughs> it's, it's so the it's, worst it's what is this then? Like three hours later, then <laughs> Natalie comes down for for uh, yeah. breakfast. Yeah, cool. it's like three or four hours later. Everyone's having breakfast. Natalie she comes says, down and says, "Good morning, children," because now she's she's so mature. She's uh, already she's already so much better than everybody. Yep. They just. Here's here's what I think because you can picture Blair saying that line so much easier. I I bet they had a whole script ready to go and they were like, oh, just change the, just change the names. It's fine. Yeah, it does. It's much more of a Blair arc the whole episode. Honestly, but truly. Um. All right. So there's some business with this Mackenzie Aston kid where Cloris Leachman has sewn up his ripped jeans. Oh, fashion. What are we going to do about you? Oh and so God. she rips his shirt and he's like, no. Humor about ripped <sighs> jeans huh? always oh, I f- instantly I makes you sound out of touch. It makes you sound, it does Truly. not matter what the context is. If you have a person making a joke about ripped jeans and why are they ripped or we paid good money for ripped clothes. Like it yeah. always, 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 I can hear like the creak of your coffin closing on top of you. <laughs> like, it is. It makes you sound so old and out of touch. And it's been going on, I don't know, how long have ripped jeans been happening? Since the 60s, probably? Since somebody Since, like, wore Fonzie. some jeans that got ripped, and they're like, what am I going to do about it? Right, and, and we're go still somehow today. acting like people don't understand that ripped jeans sure. is a choice. That and, and that, a combination of that and... Yeah, they come around here with their ripped jeans and green hair. <laughs> like green hair is just yes. the that's when society falls apart. Right, and pierced noses. What? Uh, yeah. Anyway, Cloris Leachman Clunk. doesn't she's not responsible for this. Someone wrote this for her. Yeah. What's his name? Migo. Uh, yeah, I'd like to her. I'd like to think that Cloris Leachman's <laughs> fucking hip and with it. Yeah, um, right? you know. What a great actor to portray some old lady who doesn't get it. Tootie lets it slip about the fucking <laughs> Um, and I don't know if you caught this. I had to rewind it because it's it, it was so very subtle. So there's laughter and ooze because she's let it slip in right. front of Cloris Leachman about what they did last night. And there's laughter and ooze. And then right at the end, like in the back corner of the audience, somebody goes. It's so quiet. I had to go back twice and make sure, but it's just like it's after all the things have died down. And then here, I'll I'll try to do for effect. 
It's like, yeah, I dude. like to think that's a sex positive audience reaction. <laughs> it's somebody, it's somebody who's like, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna ooh clap? Oh, it's almost over. What should I do? What should I do? Oh, I... Okay. Yeah, got it. In you there, did it, Jeremy. <laughs> you did it. Under the wire, Jer. Um, yeah, so <laughs> you're a good audience member, Jeremy. Don't let anybody tell you different. Your mom was wrong about you. You're a good audience member. <laughs> His mom Everybody's, is Cloris Leachman. Um, so uh, everybody's so, shocked. Yeah, both of these grown wom- women seem shocked and disappointed. Both Joe and Cloris da- or Beverly Ann is very, actually, very disappointed. She doesn't say mm. that, but she's like, "Look, I waited until marriage, but I'm from a different place and a different time." And and Natalie's like, "Yeah, you are. It's the eighties." And um, Tootie says, even though she seemed real excited about all this last night, she was like, yeah, well, but Jeff and I are waiting for marriage. And Joe refuses to make a value judgment either way. She's like, it's a complicated issue. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And so yeah. Natalie is now sort of marooned on this island by herself of like, oh, I thought what happened was like cool and everybody was going to be cool with it, but I guess sure. everyone's a shithead. And <laughs> I guess everyone's a shithead. Then she assures us in a move that I... That is made into a joke, but I think is very important because sometimes it gets left out of these first time episodes. She says that they use contraception. Sure. Um, and she like makes a point of it. Yeah, and so absolutely. and then of course Cloris Leachman is like, Are you sure it's a hundred percent effective? And it's like, Okay, we, we can either do we can either make alone. points with some people by saying you know we use contraception, or we can make points with the other side of the aisle by pointing out that they're not a hundred percent effective but like every t- yeah anytime you 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 bring up the term 100% effective i just assume some character is going to look into the co- to the camera and say well abstinence the only right. 100% do it's like well we Bibles. shouldn't mention it at all if it's not 100% effective it's like no no 99% is better than no percent yeah like 99% kind of better. Giving, yeah, you're kind of giving that message. I also like to point out here that one of my favorite television props ever, Joe is so so shocked that she spills her cereal, and you get one shot of the box, and this is the same cereal that was used on the pilot of Blossom that we watched, mm-hmm. uh, Ape Nuts. Ape Nuts. Yep. Ape Nuts cereal. Yep. I got wide out. I got a box of Grape Nuts. <laughs> what are we going to do here? Ape Nuts. Ape Nuts. That's weird. That definitely sounds like a nickname for like a dude in a fraternity. (laughs) (laughs) His name is Alan Parkins. Uh, We call him Ape Nuts. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Um, uh, So Natalie is actually like, she's holding her own in the face of this very passive aggressive slut shaming that's happening now. She's throwing out like solid things. Like I'm 21. We've been going out for a year. This is none of your goddamn business. Yeah, We're in love. We use contraception. Like I feel fine. I'm, I don't regret it. I feel fine about it. So the next thing that happens, and this is actually kind of a little bit weirdly now that we've been in the special world for a few hours, but this is weirdly, I think, the call to adventure, the phone I call think, to adventure. I think so, yeah. Um, so Snake calls to say that he can't, he can't see Natalie for a while, for a few days, um, because he needs to sort some things out. Right. And then she hangs up the phone, and everyone's like, oh, no. And, you know, this if I knew anything about men, it's this is exactly what they do. They date you for a year plus to get sex once and Just, then they and dump then you. Once they've got it one time, 
Yes. On to the next lady. Yep. For another for year another long year trek. Of dating. Towards yep. bedroom. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that was really confusing to me. I'm like, no, that's, I get what they're saying is like, oh, he's lost all respect for you. No, he's going to dump you. Yep. No, not if you're in a relationship. Then it's like, cool, we probably have sex some more, huh? Yeah, right now we've crossed the Rubicon. Yeah. But so I'm everyone's. Not give up and start from scratch. <laughs> everyone's That's kind right. of like, yeah, this is pretty uh, standard behavior. And she's like, no, I'm not worried. I'm really not worried. You know, he says he needs a few days and I believe him. And yeah. then uh, they, then it's suddenly later. It's yeah. she's working on something at, at the table and we continue yeah. this line of thinking and it's been, he hasn't called maybe yeah, been a everybody's day. Everybody's trying to cheer her up yeah. and like, well, here's some food and here's, let's go to a movie. And she's like, guys, it's fine. He just needs some time alone. He's not dumping me. Leave me alone. Everybody get out of my goddamn business. I'm Natalie, a grown ass woman. <laughs> right. And then suddenly a non grown ass person named Pippa, who from <sighs> non-Ameri- Australia. Non grown ass, non American ass person, <laughs> non non man ass. Uh, so yeah, Pippa, she's from Australia, mate. Um, she comes in and she's like, well, I want somebody talking about sex in here i want to talk about that sex <laughs> basically she's like did i hear sex i did i hear basically. information um, and so cloris leachman thinks that she's got to take a break and give this girl the talk i don't understand where this is coming from this is such a where weird Pippa came from shoehorn- yeah well australia chelsea <laughs> that's where she's from she's very clearly from yes, australia she is they make jokes about it but beverly ann is like okay let me sit you down i'm gonna start at the beginning when a you know man and woman and Peppa's like da da da, I already know all the basics. Like I'm from Australia. Yeah. Most of my friends have done it. Like by the time we get out of high school, and I just want to know like how you know if you're ready, basically, because I know the mechanics. I just want to know how you know if you're ready. I'm and assuming that Pippa is confused because now she lives in America where there aren't 50 varieties of spiders that can kill you on the toilet. <laughs> right. So she's like, I've got longer a longer lifespan now. Does that mean I have to wait? And yet, and weirdly, course, it seems that everybody lives with their school friends until they're 45 years old and they have to have a house mother even though they're in their 20s. So I'm just trying to figure out what the just, rules are. I I get the feeling that this this is just this is just a prequel to Golden Girls. It's yes. Facts of Life. Facts of Life just seamlessly it just cruises right on in. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, straight up. So um, at some point, yeah. at some point, she says, "You know, I I have this boyfriend. Maybe he's the love of my life." And Beverly Ann says, "You know, fifteen is too young. Sixteen yeah. is too young." And then she's like, okay, what about when I'm 17? And Beverly Ann goes, there's no exact age, just mm. when you're ready. What about when yeah. you're ready? Which they bring is up the- maturity in this one as well, which is a great way to completely not talk about an issue anymore. It's well, just, hey, when you're ready and you're mature enough. Yes. It's not, but not now. But it's interesting because I was like, I don't know why this scene is happening. I don't know why this scene is happening. But I do, by the end of the episode, I know why this scene is happening. Oh, okay. We'll get there. But in the moment, I was like, why is this actor on set today for this episode? (laughs) Like, what is the point? It doesn't help that Mackenzie Aston, whatever, comes in and he gets a phone call. And then they have to interrupt him having his phone. It's just, it's like, guys, just... Just leave the kids out of it. Give them the week off. Leave... Don't mess with kids. So we go back to the living room and Natalie and Joe are talking. Natalie is like, was this a mistake? And Joe says, that's up to you. And then yeah. I think I'm sorry. I'm Natalie... you because I think yeah. now this is the inmost cave. 
I think we are approaching the inmost cave. I know. I'm trying here. I'm really trying. No, 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 no. It's not you. It's the episode. Chelsea, it's not you. It's them. The episode just needs to take some time to sort some things out. The episode is breaking up with me. It's not like the episode's dumping you, Chelsea. (laughs) So now we're approaching the inmost cave. It's night. Natalie is very depressed. She's openly sort of like given up on the he just needs some time line of thinking. Uh, And she says to Joe, I really blew it this time. I made a big mistake. Don't you think I made a mistake? And Joe is like, hey, it's how you feel that matters. It's not how I feel. And then yeah. Natalie calls Joe an emotional chicken. Fuck with this. I was so happy about Joe's reaction. I was like, yeah, Joe's fucking button out and saying, if you feel good about it, then feel good about it. And yeah. Natalie's like, no, you have to make a judgment call right. on this situation. I was like, no, you don't understand. In 40 years, you're going to be like... You don't have an opinion? That's fantastic. Great. Yeah, because she literally said, if you're happy, I'm happy in the first scene, which is what you want to hear from your friends. So Natalie is like, no, you need to have an opinion on this. Like when Miles and I were first dating, we were in a DSW in Chicago and we heard a woman screaming at her boyfriend, you need to have an opinion on this. And that's always, basically always what... was a sign of a great, great relationship. <laughs> right. That's basically what Natalie screams at Joe. And so Joe bucks up, and this is what I'm calling the supreme ordeal, this moment. Joe mm. says that what I really think is that you would feel fine about this if Snake hadn't walked out on you. And right. Natalie's like, yeah, I would. And she says, that means that what you're upset about is him dumping you, not the fact that you slept with him. Yeah. Which seems to shake Solid. out when you think about it. And Natalie is like, yeah, I think that's true. And Joe says, you're a good person. You were a good person before you met him. You're a good person now. It's kind mm. of a muddled message when that part gets involved. But I think the point of like, this brings it, Natalie to say the line, if things don't work out, it's going to hurt, but I won't regret what we did. And they hug. And I'm calling sure. this the supreme ordeal. And It's going to have to be. This is, this is, yeah, the rest of it. Is it, it's just about to finish up, so, right? Yeah, but this know. is the point at which I was like, "Oh, I now I think I understand the journey that we're on, this whole episode that we've been on, and why we had to have that tiny Australian I scene." Can't wait to find we- out why we ever need to have a tiny Australian <laughs> anywhere. So I think I think the journey we've been on and the question we've been answering, even though we didn't even get to it until the very end of the episode, is how do you know when you're ready? And the answer is when you can deal with the consequences, emotional, physical, whatever happens afterwards, when you can deal with the worst case scenario and come out of it with your sense of self intact, you are ready to have sex. So Natalie is facing the worst case scenario, which is like she has sex with this man that she loves and he immediately dumps her and they never see each other again. That's the worst case scenario. She's faced it and she's like, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. It will suck if I don't see him again, but I'm going to be okay. I'm fine. And that's how you know you're ready to have sex. But then it flips it over on its head. Let's get to this next moment because that that sounds solid, but I want to bring this up as well. So the doorbell rings and Natalie's like, whoa, the door. (laughs) And uh, it's Snake. And Snake is like, hey, uh, I wanted to call you, but I figured I should tell you to your face. Um, really setting it up like a, it's, there's a real fake out here. And then he's yeah. like, I had she to take some time. Up with him. I had to take some time. Psst. That's him. His, 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 <laughs> his tongue's flipping out every now and then. <laughs> I had to take some time. Um, he's, he's basically, he's hiss from Robin Hood. <laughs> he is. He's like, why don't you eat this apple? Um, 
he's like, I had to take some time to get shit together because now we're going to be married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's he's like, like He's like, we had sex and I realized what I should do is quit my job as a mm-hmm. long haul trucker, settle down here, uh, get a job in town and marry you. And she's like, I'm sorry, what's happening? Excuse me? What's up now? Um, Which is the flip side of this it's it's not exactly these aren't the two things that you think of when it's like hey these are the two possible outcomes of of doing it which one of them is he never comes back and the other is he marries me instantly yeah whether i like it or not it's kind of a gender reversal of stereotypes too because you expect normally it's going to be the girl who's like well now that we've had sex we'll be together forever and you have to commit to me and instead it's him being like well aren't we don't we get married now Who's wearing the Wilson Phillip outfit in this relationship? <laughs> Who wears the shoulder pads now? A quick follow-up question. What does it mean to be wearing the Wilson Phillips outfit in the relationship? All right. So Natalie uh, takes this information in and is like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I yeah, think I'll be all like, right. If you had asked me yesterday, I would have said, yes, sure. Let's hold on for one more day. But today. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Today, I'm no, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking too the last couple of days, and I realize mm-hmm. I'm not ready for this kind of a commitment or a really any kind of commitment. And he sure. says, Well, then what was the other night about? And she says, Well, then the other night was about us being in love, and it was wonderful, but let's yeah. just take this one step at a time. Natalie which is very mature. He says, You're in love. That's the way <laughs> it should be. Look, someday somebody's going to turn around and <laughs> say goodbye, but that's not today. Say goodbye. Wilson Phillips style she's like let's just you know we're not breaking up and this is but we're also not going to get engaged here I'm 21 years old it's actually kind of like a nice ending in terms of the way that they could have gone you know he comes back she she realizes she's going to be fine either way and then the reward is that he comes back you know and she they get to be together and so it's the best of both worlds she realizes she's gonna be fine if they break up but they don't break up right um and then as a sort of cherry on top he reveals to her his real name, which is not Snake, surprisingly. No. It's Norbert. And she makes fun of him and says, sh- sh- we will keep that our little secret. And I think Norbert is a great name, and I object. Do you? I had a great uncle named Norbert that I love very much. No. You sure he wasn't just an okay uncle? He was High a five. Nope. High five. High five. Nope. Great nope. uncle. Nope. Yep. He's Punch. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson Phillips smash. <laughs> um <laughs> Why not? Why not bring Wilson Phillips into the Marvel universe? (laughs) Everyone else is there. Are we afraid of it getting too crowded in there? It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The limit does not exist. Oh, all hope is lost. Wait, what's that spangly outfit in the back, (laughs) in the far distance? Oh, Wilson Phillips. Um... (laughs) So I'm sorry. So riddle riddle me this one then. So <laughs> if if this journey is about being mature enough to make the decision to have sex, then why do we land on that maturity then being brought to a sort of like, yeah, but mature enough to handle this element as well, which is a renewed commitment or an advanced commitment level. Like, why are they doing that then? Because that's where it throws me off because I get it. Like, you have a kid and you have somebody who's 21 both talking about when when am I ready? But then at the end, it's like you're also ready to say, hey, fucking ease up, jerk. Yeah, I, but I think it's it's more that she's realized some things about herself. And she's like had some days to sit with herself and decide what her priorities are. And that if 
if she hadn't gone through the having of the sex and then the days of thinking about what it meant and if she was going to be okay and the conversation with Joe, then if he came back, she would have just been like, yeah, let's get me. Let's go tonight. Let's go to Reno. I have the perfect outfit, (laughs) but, um, ready for a three night show, (laughs) but she doesn't. Yeah. The end of it is kind of, I think it's again, the, the episode trying to have it both ways. I think so too. And I think that it's it's very muddy. I don't mean to make it sound like this is an extremely clear or well-written episode. I'm I'm trying to help you give this episode too much credit. That's <laughs> that's where I'm at with all of this. And I think it's just you want to you want to like hit that moment. It's a perfectly fine message to put in there. It just gets muddled when you're like, also, she's empowered enough not to get all gushy about it. Uh, right. I don't know. It's Something. Just, no, that's exactly what you know, it is. It's fine. The idea is like, now she's so empowered that even though she loves this person, she doesn't have to marry him, which is like, I, okay. Look, you can, you can see this, this, this episode really shows that facts of life is kind of falling apart. Um, <laughs> kind of. Kind of. This kind of really falling apart. All the apart. way off the rails. They have, they have, <laughs> the music in this episode is really something spectacular. It is, <laughs> It might as well be a flute sharpened to stab at your heart. <laughs> there is for no reason for Cloris Leachman to be here. No, they don't no... need a house mother anymore. No. Go it's... full on Sabrina, where when they got old enough to be in college, suddenly the ants lived in the ants' house, and Sabrina lived in co- in a ro- room with her friends. Like, yeah. there's no reason for you to. Anyway, and so... I think that I think that you know you spin a wheel in a writer's room in, in the late 80s like this, and it lands on alien or Australian, and that's who you introduce <laughs> that's who to your episode. Or, or younger cousin. Like yep. these three, those are the ones you go, and it's like, oh, Australian, okay, I, I guess that's fine. I was really hoping to get a, uh, I was really hoping to piggyback on this, the Mego fame that's uh, <laughs> buzzing around right now. But all well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, when this show ended, which is, you know, couple minutes not too long after this episode, yeah. In 1988, it was the longest-running sitcom in NBC's history. Wow. Uh, it has been... It, it outlasted different strokes from which it had spun off, but sure. it's been surpassed since then by Cheers, Frasier, Friends, maybe something else, but um, the probably Big Bang Theory. But uh, in 1988, this was the longest-running sitcom in NBC history. Another fun bit of trivia from Mental Floss. Uh-huh. Is that before the Facts of Life began production, Charlotte Ray and some of the show's producers visited a school in Bel Air to observe real teens. Mm-hmm. And Mindy Cohen, who plays Natalie, the star of this episode, was one of several students who volunteered to meet with them to answer questions, just oh. like uh, they were doing a survey. Snitching. And she says she just did it to get out of class because it sounded like fun. And then... Charlotte Ray apparently fell in love with Cohen, saying she reminded her of a childhood friend named Natalie, and hey. then they wrote this part specifically for her, got in touch with her mother, and said, can she be on the show? And her mother said, fine, and the rest is history. But it was just can like you imagine luck. a time when it was that easy to stumble into fame <laughs> and fortune? Yes. Lord of mercy. It's yeah. like that ridiculous documentary song, Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Any something or young mechanic can be a panic? No, they they yeah. can't anymore. No. No, without that SAG card, dummy. But they can be on TikTok and have 4 million followers. Um, <sighs> so me. when I was looking, trying to look up any sort of writing about this episode, I assumed the AV Club might have written something or, you know. 
About this specific episode or yeah. the, the series? This episode. The, okay. the virginity. The, the nine seasons on the air and one of them yeah. finally loses their virginity. Right. There's not much. A lot of places refer to it as the controversial episode. But then the only controversy I could find written about was that Lisa Weltel didn't want to be on it. I think that, that's all you've got. That really. was all that I could find about it. And like, there's not a whole lot written about it. I, you know. The internet I, I, loves to dissect TV to death. Obviously, well, we, sure. we do the same thing. Yeah, so I was yeah, expecting there to be some article. There was one that was more sort of like a synopsis recap, um, but then mentioned the sort of light slut shaming. But actually, the slut sure. shaming is not as bad as it, definitely not as bad as I expected. No, um, I, I honestly, every now and then I'd be like, well, that's a weird opinion to have. And then I'd look at the, the air date again of 1988 and I'd be like, uh, okay, like yeah. this is just before we start given up the the 80s super you know morality police kind of thing it's it's as good as they could get honestly and i'm sure it was probably controversial for the time you know little natalie we watched her grow up now yeah. she's having sex what's also, next is she going to legally buy a beer <laughs> you never you never know too how much of the the sort of whiplash and tone where you're like they just said this why are they saying this might be studio notes, you know, True that. might True. be a person being like, well, if we say she used contraceptives, we have to mention that they're not a hundred percent effective. And it's yeah, like, you I don't get, though. This is, yeah, this is when standards and practice, essentially practices just like ruled the entire world. Like anything like this is the fight over putting a toilet in the, the Brady bathroom. Yes. That's the standards of practices one on that one. It's just, it's, it's a ridiculous, nobody wants a controversy. So You'll do what standards and practices says just so you don't offend somebody. That's yeah. controversial. I mean, it's just, not it's everything so... is better about TV now, but a lot of things are better. And yeah. one of the things that's better is that, like, shows court controversy if, sometimes. Yeah. Or if it's like, oh, we're going to talk about this thing. We're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about, you know, um, flaws in the healthcare system, flaws in the justice system. You know, like, we're going to talk yeah. about these things. And if a certain percentage of the population gets upset and tweets about it, that's the risk we but... run for writing the the things that we want to write about. I want to say that there was a, a shift in the 90s, specifically just a bit of, of fun television history. Hmm. Uh, the show Married with Children was slated for cancellation after one season. Uh, but a church in Ohio began a letter writing campaign to get it canceled. Mm-hmm. Like It was on the chopping block already. Fox was going to let it go. And then this massive letter writing campaign from uh, a lot of Christian churches came in and they're like, this is abhorrent. It's disgusting. And they started like contacting <laughs> the press and like, stuff like that. Is it? <laughs> and no. And just because of that exposure and like the, the publicity around it, uh, uh, Married with Children would go on to be at the time the longest running sitcom. That's what I'm saying is like Fox was like, Oh, I'm. So, we weren't paying attention. Oh. Is it all of those things? Isn't How wonderful for us! Gracious yeah. me, give those no people. No press rings. is bad press. Yeah, indeed. So, Chelsea, what in the f could we have possibly learned from this episode? I don't know, because it's still a hard question to answer. Like, when do you know you're ready to have sex? Yeah, I I think that there's a way to answer that in the negative a lot better, which is like. If you're too uncomfortable to talk about contraception, you're not ready to have sex. If you're still calling um, it pop pop, you're just not ready for it. Exactly. Um, but I think it's hard. It is hard to know uh, because the the answer provided by this episode, which is, can you deal with the consequences if they're bad? You don't really know until you're in it. You know, yeah. like you you can't and really know in advance. Even then, I will still point out the fact that that Joe's 
all of Joe's advice is fine. It's like, it's up to you. How do you feel about it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're happy with it, then we're all set. It just, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I don't um, know what I really learned other than that I guess that there's an Australian kid on the Facts of Life. I sure. didn't know that I learned before that this too. episode. Thank goodness. You got that brain? Ooh, what are you rubbing your belly brain because you're so full of fun facts? Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, I learned that there was an Australian on Facts of Life right before it got canceled. Uh, and who did, who could we possibly want to hug here? And don't say I mean, snake. I guess Natalie. Okay, good. Sure. Um, Tootie seems <laughs> ab- abhorrently innocent in this episode. I kind of like want to hug her and be like, read a book. Tootie read seems... Books. Tootie seems of two minds about the whole sex thing. She's like... Tootie minds. So, maybe, or maybe actually... Okay, here are two ways to approach the tootie of it all. Two, tootie ways to... Tootie ways. One is she's hypocritical because she says she's excited for Natalie and she wants to know all these questions and she seems excited. But then mm-hmm. actually she's judging her and she's like, well, I'm waiting till marriage. Yeah. Or she is the perfect kind of friend to have... If that friend is waiting till marriage, who can still be very excited for you that's, and your that's choices. Yeah. I mean, it's that's her first reaction is being excited for Natalie. So let's go with that. Let's yeah. call 2D is more than a 2D character. <gasps> she's got three she's, dimensions. She's 3D. <sighs> 3D. I am 3D. There we go. <laughs> Fruity. No, she's part of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Facts of life in the Marvel Universe. Uh, let's just call it the Alan Thick Cinematic Universe. Let's get, <laughs> let's get pains in there. Let's get fucking different strokes. Pains. Did you just call it Frank Pains? completely like, stolen that. I've stolen that. Pains. I've stolen that. I've stolen that. Paul F. Tompkins does an Alan Thick impression. And he's like, yeah, when we were back on pains. And if anybody else tries to call it that, he's like, hey, don't call it that unless you were there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, pains. Yeah, uh, so that's our big push for the uh, Alan Thick uh, Cinematic Universe or ATCU. Um, that's the best thing that's come out of this discussion so far, other than the sugar that I ate right now, which is. I, I want to, now I want to come up with. Do you see, have you seen. Someone has come up with this unified theory of how all the Pixar movies are. No, is sure. it Pixar? It yes, could be. all I mean, the Pixar movies are yeah. part of the same world and timeline. One one refers to the 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 each Pixar movie has a reference to the next Pixar movie somewhere in it. But it's it's like these things of like like the little girl from uh, Monsters, Monsters Inc, Inc. Mm-hmm. is the witch from yes, so, and, like she's fallen through a time warp and there's a whole thing. Yeah. Remy from uh, Ratatouille is uh, chased by a dog whose shadow you see, but that dog is the same dog from Up. Right. So I think, I feel like we should put all the shows with theme songs by Alan Thicke together into a similar unified theory of the... I mean, if if anything comes out of this quarantine, shouldn't that be it? This should be it. I'll get to work. The ATCU coming your way. ATCU. That's cool. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for joining us today for this uh, um, discussion of Natalie from Facts of Life losing her virginity to somebody named Snake, Snake. whose real name is Norbert, which is not acceptable. Which is a fun name. Well, I had a great uncle Snake, so. I- <laughs> you did not have a great uncle Snake. Uh, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> 
Uh, so thank you so much for joining Fake us. News. <laughs> Snake news. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!